tonight we're going to deal with um, creating wealth, part two. Um, and we have um, a couple of people who will uh, recap what they did the last time. And then we have uh, a new person added, which is Jeffrey Mwangu. Um, they will introduce themselves. And um, I just want to also say that we have some housekeeping rules here. Um, we want you to to hold your questions till the end. And also, if you want to ask questions, please use the button below to raise your hand so we can do this in order. Without further ado, because we don't have much time because we had so many questions the last time, we will release the people to talk to us. So I'm calling on Bro Casey Emmanuel to start this event. All right. Thank you, Bro Chris. Uh, praise God, everyone. Hope everyone's having a wonderful evening. Uh, so I have just a few minutes to sort of quickly recap a couple of things that we we talked about in the last session. I'll just start again by, you know, caveating that I'm not licensed in any form or fashion to give any form of financial advice. And, you know, and I imagine, you know, like some of the things I say would apply to some of the other panelists. We're all learning together. And so the information that we share is based on what by the grace of God we've been able to learn and we continue to learn. Um, so as uh, Pastor Chooks mentioned, God gives the power to make wealth. I think the ultimate source of wealth is from God. And to me, what that suggests is that wealth is is relatively infinite. You know, it just needs to be unlocked and, and discovered. But the power to do so is 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 made available to us uh, from God. So we as Christians have, you know, favorable access over everyone else to access that power. Uh, and then with, with great power comes great responsibility, right? So once you have the power, then you go ahead and take action. Um, because the power, power is just dormant by itself. It needs, you know, action. And so some of the things we're talking about um, cover some of the steps that one can take to, to, to activate the power to make wealth that God makes available to each and every one of us. Um, so one of the things I talked about was if like I think about life as an ongoing investment, you know, like everything we're, we're first of all, we ourselves, our lives being put on this earth is an investment, right? To to bear fruit, to generate returns for for our maker God. And the concept of wealth, you know, and money and, and all of that is all part of that package of we as as seeds planted on this earth to generate returns and to and and to touch lives you know so so as you think about wealth it's i don't think about it as just you know going and gathering money or spending money but it's a thoughtful process to use resources around us to generate more resources to generate greater returns uh, and those returns are not just financial they, they also and ultimately impact lives you know so we're here to kind of generate resources that will touch lives so as part of that you know you want to you know seek as much knowledge and wealth uh, uh, as much knowledge as you can because you know so you, don't think of you know wherever you are your journey as all there is to it you know like i said wealth I believe can be unlocked. It's 
it comes from God. The power to do it, to, to create it comes from God. So in my mind, that's infinite. So how do you unlock it? One way is by educating yourself, going outside of the realm of your understanding, you know, knowledge, you know, pursue wisdom, pursue knowledge, you know, and the more you know, <laughs> you know, the more you're able to, to uh, create, you know. So one of the things I talked about also is, um quickly running out of time one of the things i talked about also is that you know when we think about money and and all the resources that we're given i think i started alluded to it earlier i think of it as capital so when you go you get a paycheck i think of it as it's not just a paycheck to go and uh, you know allocate to certain expenditures you know which is not to say that that's not part of what you would use it for but it's not just a paycheck to, to do that it's a it's a source of capital that has been made available to you so you traded your time or whatever resource for for money and that's not that becomes a resource that can then be turned around and invested to generate more returns you know so it, to kind of frame it a little differently you, you know you're not going out to work just to make money to pay bills you know you're going out to generate resources that you can then turn around and be invested into other resources and you know I, along those lines i kind of talked about how that is why i believe giving is significant at least you know in the scripture because that's another way to invest the capital that you have to generate return you know, we, we don't know it all. We don't have all the capability to understand or create everything there is to that can possibly be created. So the, the I believe God created this channel where you can take resources and invest in others, you know, through giving. And that's how you unlock greater, greater wealth. And this wealth we're talking about is again, it's not it goes beyond your life, your current, your present. It's it's about the future, building a better future, investing and creating doors for people. So I'll quickly just jump because we're running out of time. So I, I also talked about, you know, you want to start early. You want to educate the youth, the younger ones. There's it's never too early to to uh, talk about wealth, talk about the, the ability to build wealth. Um, I always believe that you, you kind of relate to young ones in the way you expect them to go. In other words, you, you they eventually become older, so you start to treat them in the direction they're heading, as opposed to the, where they came from. You know, so you know, start to engage them. You know, we the world is full of examples of young people who who engage in entrepreneurial activities. So certainly, it's not out of the realm of, of possibility. You know, and then one of the things I talked about was credit. Oh, that's my timer. But one of the things I talked about was you know the power of leverage and credit and how building your credit certainly does help you it, it, credit again is not about the ability to pay for certain things so it, you know pay, cover certain expenditures but, but it's again the ability to have access to resources you know some people say it's other people's money but access to resources that can allow you to unlock and create wealth based on the, the ideas and and the, and the capabilities that god has has um blessed each and every one of us with so i just kind of quickly rambled through a, a you know you know high level series of bullet points uh i pray that that uh, ministers to someone thank you brothers. yeah thank you casey um it was awesome
Uh, thank you very much for recapping what we did the last time. So I'm going to go to the next person on the line, uh, which is Paul Mohammed. Uh, Paul, go right ahead. Good evening, everyone. Uh, thank you for being here and thank you for having me. My name is uh, Paul Mohammed. I am licensed uh, financial professional, uh, three years uh, in the financial industry. Uh, currently, I'm with uh, New York Life Insurance Company uh, as an agent and, and also as a financial uh, professional. And I'm going to be focusing of on life insurance, how you can use it to create wealth uh, while you are alive and also transfer wealth to the next generation. Uh, a quick recap, if you can see my screen, uh, last time I draw our attention to imagine building a house as a financial concept. You want to have a solid foundation uh, so that the structure of the house will be very strong as well as the roofing of the house. Uh, the foundation is where life insurance uh, comes in. It provides protection Okay, as you accumulate wealth and also think of retirement. You see that life insurance run through every part of the house because uh, the, the pillars, the structure of the house will be standing on a firm foundation and also is a tool that you can use towards your retirement. Okay. Uh, the next slide I'm going to show is to show us how uh, your tax, the tax is a strategizer in the country. Uh, you have, uh, you either pay your tax down, your tax is deferred, or you never pay tax. And let me show you quickly the tools that uh, involved in this bucket if i ask any one of you from my experience whenever i ask the people i come in contact with where would you want most of your money to be they will say uh, never pay tax uh, now these are the tools that you have in each bucket the purple bucket the yellow bucket which is tax deferred and also uh, never pay tax you can see that cash value whole life insurance is among one of the tools that you can use to create uh, tax-free uh, money for yourself because you're using after-tax uh, money and also the law protect it uh, from tax. Even though you're going to get much more than you are getting, uh, you are putting into the policy in the future, uh, you won't pay tax as long as the policy is in force, okay? Uh, I want to share a true life story just to capture just to capture how important uh, down, yes. Please, uh, do you understand your committee uh, you have to remove your uh, the first, uh, your first picture so that, the, I will take care of my mom mm -hmm. he said well that's all I need to hear the I began seeing yeah. seeing what you're sharing now. Four years later, I was in my oh, first okay. year house. Uh, my dad had his third heart attack when he died at the age of 59. And as promised, his whole life insurance policy paid off that college debt and provided my mom with a little bit of money to stay in our house for a few Can years. Can you see it now? Yes. That day that I 
fully grasp what I had promised my dad. Because it was now my responsibility to take care of my mom. I mean, we all know technically the debt was paid off. Life insurance took care of it. But the reality for me was that debt never went away. It was sitting right in my head, in my heart, and in my commitment to my dad. Now today, I can tell you with a tremendous amount of satisfaction that my mom lives in a beautiful condominium at the beach in Virginia. And I have paid back that debt gladly many times over. But what's the most important thing for you to understand is that every single dollar that I have provided her, including to purchase the place where she now lives, came from a check that said New York Life Life insurance made it possible for me to go to the college of my choice and totally change my trajectory in life. Life insurance also made it possible for a father not to let his son down, but instead to finance his dreams. And frankly, the life insurance business has made it possible for a son to honor his commitment to his father and to take care of his mother. So this is the outgoing CEO of New York Life Insurance Company. Currently, this video was done today. Uh, he shared his testimony about how his father, when he passed at 59 years old, it was life insurance that paid his 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 uh his school fee when he went to law school, and he also used that money to take care of his mom. Uh, so this is how important. Uh, it is when you have uh, such protection as your foundation you create wealth for yourself while you are alive and also you pass wealth to the next generation uh, that's my time uh, thank you and god bless you thank you mr paul uh, thank you for giving us a recap of what you did the last time and it's awesome and uh, now we're going to go to the next person in line and we're going to call on solomon to okay good evening all and uh my name is solomon a lot of you guys know me and um just want to recap what we talked about the last time last time we talked about you know by the way just to tell you give you a background information i have 17 years of experience in the uh, financial sector being a stockbroker being a branch manager, being a banker, being a financial advisor, um, and uh, all in wealth management. So just my experience with the length of experience that I've had, I can talk about with, um, I have a mandate to talk about some of these and I have an understanding of it, of it, and I could share the information that I have. So pretty much last time we talked about 401k, um, it doesn't matter if you don't invest already, um a good way for you to start if you are employed for you know employed by someone is to start with a 401k or 41 or 43b uh 401k and 43b they're both the same it's just that uh 43b is for if you have working for a not-for-profit not organization government agencies or public school that's just pretty much the same it's a maximum contribution you could put twenty thousand uh twenty thousand five hundred dollars on a yearly basis and if you're 50 or older you could put $27,000 towards your 401k. Now, if you work for a company and that company uh, is matching the, the, those contributions, just do it. Because if you don't, then I got to match it, right? If you don't put anything, then I got to put anything for you. So some companies could match 4% 4, 4 of your salary. If you're making $100,000 and then they're matching 4%, that means 
if you put four thousand dollars they're gonna match it four thousand dollars all right so it, that that could be the maximum so some companies could match up to six percent so we talked about that that's a, a way for you to invest and also if you do not work for somebody else and you work for yourself there are so many other opportunities that you could utilize a ira which stands for individual retirement account uh deductible it's a deductible contribution meaning that if you make a hundred thousand dollars on a yearly basis um and then you put six thousand dollars if you're under 50 or seven thousand dollars if you're over 50 that means you're going to be paying taxes on only ninety three thousand dollars that's if you are you know if you're over 51 so if you're putting seven thousand dollars you're going to be paying taxes only ninety three thousand now the taxes on the money that you're putting into your 401k is going to be tax deferred meaning you're going to start paying taxes on it when you retire that could be from starting from the age of 59 and a half or whenever you decide to retire or whenever you start taking money out of your retirement account that's a penalty if you happen to take money out of your ira that's a 10 percent penalty right uh if you take money before the age of 59 and a half i'm sorry um i should have corrected this last time um um early withdrawal penalty could be avoided if you have a hardship and you could prove that or if you're using part of that money for education related expenses fully it's going to be fully taxable when you retire but it's going to be at the tax bracket that you fall under when you start taking the funds out there's another way of saving or saving for retirement that's called the Roth IRA. Roth IRA is not is a non-deductible contribution. You can put up to $6,000 on a yearly basis if you're under 50 um or if you're over 50, um you could put up to $7,000 on a yearly basis. Penalty is 10% which applies to um if you happen to take the money before age of 59 and a half there is going to be a penalty assessed, but that penalty is going to be on on what you've earned. So if you put $5,000 and you've earned $1,000 on top of it, if you take funds out of it, the penalty will be assessed to the uh, whatever you've earned on top of your contribution. Because remember, the money you're putting into your Roth IRA is um, wasn't uh, a deductible contribution. So uh, it's, it's going to be uh, fully non-taxable um when you get to the age of 59 and a half i'm sorry my apologies i should have corrected this last time 59 and a half so those are some of the ways that you could start saving for retirement there are some other ways of you saving um you could start investing uh by doing your own personal investments having an investment account for yourself there are so many companies that do it um there's so many companies that do it. Um, you could go to Chuck Schwab, you could go to E-Trade, you could go to so many companies that do it, but you have to know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, you could go to any of these companies, JP Morgan, PNC, any of these banks and tell them, hey, I want to start saving for retirement or I want to start investing. They're going to refer you over to the investment division. They are going to help you set up an investment account for yourself for you to start saving. Um, that's a, a, a way to invest. There's also a 529 plan, which is for education-related expenses. You could start saving for your kids starting from the day they were born. From the day they were born, you could start saving money and putting money aside. Whatever money you put aside on a, a yearly basis, a lot of people do not know it, but in the United States, you cannot give anyone, no matter who, except if you are married to that person, the 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 limit that you could give to someone as a gift is fourteen thousand dollars on a yearly basis. If you exceed that, you have to pay taxes on it. So you have you could you could put up to fourteen thousand dollars for your kid into your five two nine plan. 
Now, if your wife is putting money, she has a limit of, um, you know, a $14,000 on a yearly basis and all that money, no matter what you earn on the money, um, when this, uh, when they get to the age of 18 or whatever, they could start using that money for education related expenses. It could be boarding. It could be books. It could be anything related tuition, anything related to education. They could use a 529 plan to pay for that. And it's tax free. That means you don't pay any uh, taxes on the money that you may have earned on, on top of what you put in. So that's in, in a, in a nutshell, those are the investment vehicles that I talked about, but I talked about also the ways to invest. Number one, you could, you know, th these are accounts. Roth uh, IRA is an account. Uh, IRA is an account. 401k is an account. But in that account, how can you invest your money? There's a couple of ways of investing your money. You could invest in individual stocks. You could say Ford Motor Companies, or you could say GM, or you could invest in Google or whatever case might be, or which, you know, Google, which is Alphabet. Um, any of those companies that you could invest in. There are some risk involved in it. Uh, if you invest in one individual company, right, that company, if that if something happens to that company, maybe the CEO dies or something happens to that company, you could lose everything, right? You could lose a whole lot. But it's another way of uh, investing in a variety of company, which is called uh, mutual funds, right? Uh, which means you um, buying into an investment vehicle that has a whole variety of investments in it. Not just one company, not just Ford or GM or Google or any of that. It has a variety. So I just gave an example last time of, um, you know, like a fruit salad. You go into a supermarket, you want to buy, you want to eat apple today, but you at the same time, you want to eat banana. At the same time, you want to eat um, uh, cantaloupe. Instead of you going and buying apple, banana, and all of that, so you go and you buy a fruit salad because the fruit salad has everything in it. So that's what a mutual fund allows you to do. Another way of investing is called bonds. Bonds is a way for you to lend money to a company or to a county or city or to a government. Uh, the U.S. government, for example, is a, is one of the borrowers out there. They borrow money to pay for everything they do, right? going from Social Security. They borrow money for all of that. When you buy into bond, they owe you. You are, you know, a bond, you know, you are the bond issue. You are the, you, you own the bond. And um, they're going to be paying you interest on, you know, on a semi-annual basis every six months or on a yearly basis, whatever the case might be. There's another way of investing, which is called an ETF, which is exchange trade funds um they all it offers you the same diversification that mutual funds offer it just that um exchange traded funds trade like stocks unlike a mutual fund where um uh, you get uh, whatever uh the the the, the stock is uh, whatever the mutual fund is trading at the end of the day everyone gets the same price everyone gets everything what is called the nav net asset value at the end of each um trading day but etf allows you to do that same thing it's just that when you're buying it or selling it you are getting the price at that particular time when you're buying or selling it last uh, lastly i talked about you adding beneficiaries if you have a bank account, you have an investment account, IRA, 401k, Roth IRA, whatever the case might be, make sure you have a beneficiary because if you do that, if something happens to you, you happen to be, um, you know, pass on, that money will go directly. The bank will call you and say, Hey, um, or call whoever is your beneficiary. Hey, your, um, the person who owned this account listed you as a beneficiary. That way that money will go directly to them rather than go into the state or to, to your estate which would not go through probate. Um, and, and then the government would like to take some money out of that in form of uh, estate taxes. So in a nutshell, that was a summary of what I did last time. Thank you. God bless.
Uh, Bro Chris, over to you. Thank you very much, um, Mr. Solomon. Thank awesome. You. Yes. Um, you've had it from uh, these three, three guys that uh, spoke to us the last time. Uh, today we have a, um, a fresh person who's going to speak for more than six minutes. And um, he's going to tell us, uh, talk to us about how to create work by you starting your own business or something like that. So I'm going to call on our brother, Jeffrey Wanko, to, to talk to us. Thank you. Can, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. All right. Uh, my name is uh, Jeffrey Wanko. I am um, an engineer by training. I worked for a company called Halliburton Energy Services when I left engineering school. I joined them in Nigeria, worked for them in Nigeria for many years, and then went to work for them overseas. And uh, I also worked for a healthcare company here in Nashville called HCA in project management. And currently, I run my own business in uh, oil and gas. Uh, so what I'm doing now is using the skills that I got working for Halliburton and working for HCA. I'm using those two skills uh, to run my business. So the, the services we provide, Alpha Oil World Technologies provides, uh, the services or some of the services that Halliburton provides. So we, um, we tell ExxonMobil, Chevron, and all these oil companies if oil is in the well or not and how it can be produced. So how did I start doing that? Um, I started by, as a young person, I wanted to be an engineer. And I wanted to some time in the future to become a business owner. And I had dabbled into all kinds of businesses. So this was not the first business I had tried to do. I had tried to do buying and selling. It didn't work. I had tried to do IT uh, repairing and maintaining networks. Um, it worked a little bit, but it wasn't really what I wanted. And then I got into this that is very, very professional and it's working very, very well. And I needed a lot of money to start that. How did I save the money? So when you look at my equation that I have here that I discussed last time, uh, income, expense and saving, they are related. The other uh, speakers tonight talked about uh, how you can get income and how you can invest. So they talked about the two uh, variables there. Now, it's important that your income is not treated as just what to use to take care of your expenses. Very, very important. Uh, one of the uh, factors that affects income and savings is time. As a young person, if you start saving, if you start putting away $100 every month, 
when you are 20 years old and you do that consistently, I bet you and you, you are investing it, not just put it away, you're investing it in a good investment. By the time you're 50, you will be a millionaire. $100 being invested consistently because time is a huge factor in building wealth. So very important to start on time. So what did I do? How did I, how was I able to get the money that I needed to start this business? When you're going to start a business, money is needed, skill is needed. So whatever you're doing right now, you need to understand that if you're planning of becoming a business owner, where you are now, is that the area that you want to work or you want to start your business in the future? If it is not, then what are you going to do to get the skill that you need to open the business that you're interested in? Like I said, what I'm doing right now, I'm doing them because I work for Halliburton, so I acquired engineering skills that is needed in the oil industry. I work for HCA, so I acquired project management skills and management skills that I'm using right now. So what is it, what you're doing right now? What skill are you building? So you need skill and you need finances. How did I get these finances? So it's going to come from the income. Your income, if it only takes care of your expenses, you will not have money when that day comes. You can either self-sponsor yourself or you go to the bank. Now, I'll tell you what happened. Before I started my own business, my wife started hers. And I had gone to the bank to borrow $150,000. Later on, somebody convinced me that instead of just renting an office for her, that I need to build an office building. So I went back to the bank to loan me 500000 The bank is like, we're not going to loan you that kind of money. You've never run a business. You don't have revenue. How can we? Eventually, my CPA uh, gave me contact to a bank that agreed to loan me that money. Right? And why did that bank loan me the money? They looked at the assets that I had. They looked at how I have been managing my finances and they were able to give me that money. And when I started my own business, one of the things that helped us to start that was the money that we already saved in our house. So we had equity in the house. We were paying more than the mortgage required. And of course, the house was uh, increasing in value. So when I was going to start my business, one of the uh, areas where we were able to pull money was from the house, apart from the savings that we already had. So if you're thinking and planning to start your own business, it's very, very important, extraordinarily important to make sure you are acquiring the necessary skills you need, the technical skills, and also the managerial skill, the business skill that you need to run that business. And 
you need to be saving money. Your expenses must be minimized. How can you minimize your expense? It means you have to plan. You have to have a budget. It's difficult, especially for those of us who are Africans, we are not used to planning. We are not used to budgeting. So if you don't know where your money is going, it most likely you is not going to all the places you want it to go. You may be spending more money than you should. One of the things you can do is to uh, use a software. If you have uh, QuickBooks, if you install QuickBooks, you can link it to your bank. So every month, you download all your expenses. So you, uh, uh, the checks you give or you uh, pay through your debit card, when you download it, it's going to categorize where the money is going. So you can uh, weekly or monthly look at. So you can look at and say, oh, this is where my money is going. I think I need to limit my expense here. I need to limit my expense here. And your goal is to make sure that this savings is growing, that this savings is growing because you need it. You need this to be so big so that when you want to start business, you can pull that. It's not always easy to go to the bank and they will give you a loan. So you have that at the back of your mind that you have to self-sponsor. If you're going to the bank, you, they, you have to show something. If you come empty-handed, nobody is going to talk to you. So, how do I make sure that this increases? How do I make sure that that capacity to bring in more money increases? We talked about uh, increasing your skill set where you're working. Make sure that you are... Uh, if you're an engineer, um, that you're certified, you're a PE or whatever. If you're a civil engineer, those are uh, certificate, certifications that are needed. If you're in IT, get certifications so that you're more valuable to your company and then they will pay you more. So when you do that and you take care of the expenses, make it as minimal as possible, then the savings will be uh, increasing. Now, the last week I talked about uh, how where you can invest your money. Again, this service is a time function. If you put your money, if you put a dollar in today, in 10 years, that one dollar is not going to remain one dollar if you invested it in a good company. He talked about stocks. He talked about mutual funds. He talked about bonds. So you need a mixture of all these depending on your age and the level of risk that you want to take. He talked about 401k. Now, let me tell you, again, I want to use my personal experiences. When I was working uh, in Nigeria, I was making a lot of income as a young person. I had a very good job. If I tell you how much I was making when I was in Nigeria, you cannot believe it. <laughs> but I was making a lot of money. But I was not saving. All that money, I cannot account for it because uh, nobody 
to give me this kind of information that we are sharing today. So eventually I uh, came to the US, I began to understand uh, what, what to do. So when I started working here, I started contributing to uh, 401k. In fact, one of my friends, when I worked for Halliburton, I never contributed to 401k. I didn't even know about it. It was a friend who came uh, uh, here in Nashville. He was asking me, so did you contribute to your 401k? I didn't even know what that was. Now, when I left Halliburton and went to work for HCA, I started contributing to um, the 401k. I was contributing more than the 2% that they said they will match. If I tell you how much money I have in that 401k, even me, when I look at it, it's unbelievable. Time, time is a huge, huge uh, factor that we need to use in our investment. Invest as early as possible and consistently. Do not say you're not earning enough money. No, no matter how much money you're making, please pay yourself first before you pay any expenses. Take out some percentage of your salary, 10%, 15%, whatever you have taxed yourself, make sure that you pay that first and then it is invested in a good investment. Use investment companies that are uh, structured so that uh, it will be invested adequately. So for me, how did I start this business? Like I said, I had tried some other businesses and it, they didn't work, but I got experience. I saw what shouldn't work. So when my wife started her own business, I got somebody to do a business plan. Business plan is um, feasibility study or whatever you call it to look how does how would this work on paper? Does this business make sense on paper? You must do that. If you don't do that, it means that you're just going into it uh, with your blind with blindfolded, and you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't be in such a hurry that you say, "Ah, no, 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 As I, I'm going out develop it." No, you need to sit down and look at what you're trying to do. Look at the industry. Is it an industry that is growing? Is it an industry that is declining? Uh, you have to make assumptions. You assume, okay, uh, if I do this number of business, this is the amount of money I'm going to make. These are the expenses I'm going to make. So you, you do that for the first year. You generate revenue, you generate expenses, so you can see how much money you will make in a year. And you need to do, you need to do that for um, when everything goes very well. So you assume best case scenario, you have that uh, these expenses revenue for one year. Best case scenario, you go to the next one. You you do typical. What if it's not best case scenario? You generate that. Then you generate worst case scenario. What if Things didn't really work. You need to have all that on paper so that you can, it will help you to see, is this going to be a viable business or not? 
This is very, very important. Sorry, I have to look and make sure I am doing well on time. Okay. Oh, I have seven more minutes. So, you have to generate this business plan so that it will help. When my wife started, I, ha I wrote that business plan. I asked somebody to do it for me. He was going to charge $20,000 to do it. And I didn't, have, I didn't want to spend $20,000. What did I do? I had to go and read. I read a lot of business books. And then I wrote that business plan. And it was acceptable by the bank when I presented it to them. And what did that do for me? It gave me understanding of my wife's business. And when she started, I was able to steer that business because I had understood because I did the business plan. And I learned from running her business. So when I started my own, it was now easier for me to do my own business plan and to run my company as it is going on today. So those experiences that I've had, they are what has helped me to have a business that is running very, very well. So how can you replicate what I have done? Number one, get a very good skill set, technical skill. Whether you're an engineer, whether you're a teacher, whether you are a social worker, get those technical skills. Very important because if you're going to open a business in services, you have to have those skills. Number two, get management skill. Read business books, take class online. Whatever you can do, it's important to have those business skills. Number three is the finances. How much money are you saving right now that will help you to go and do that business? Look, when you start a new business, there are a lot of risks. Your business may not generate income for one year. How would you survive in that one year? So you need to save enough money that will take care of your current expenditure because you will still live somewhere. You'll still be eating food. You'll still be taking care of your wife and your children if you're married. So those need to be taken care of. So you need to save up money so that at least six months you have expenses taken care of. And then when your business starts generating uh, revenue, then it can be self-sustaining. I tell you that the best decision you can make, as far as I'm concerned, is to be an entrepreneur. Yes, it's risky. Yes, it's more difficult than just uh, going to uh, uh, take a pay job. But it is very, very rewarding when you do it well. And especially as a Christian, God is going to help you make the right decisions. Because one of the most important things is to make the right decisions. Someone, I think is the first speaker, talked about wisdom and knowledge. You have to be extraordinarily knowledgeable. You can't be mediocre and try to go and start a business. No, you're not going, it's not going to work. So you have to be very, very knowledgeable. Then wisdom is application of knowledge. Could I have started this business today if I hadn't worked for Halliburton? No, I wouldn't have the technical skills. Could I have started this business if I had the technical skills and I didn't have a management skill? 
Yes, I could have started it, but I will be in a lot of problems. Could I have started it without the money? No, it's not possible because most likely nobody is going to give you uh, that amount of money to start a business. So it's important, whatever income you're earning, you must pay yourself for. So it must go to savings. You need to do all you can to increase the money that you're earning. You either take a second job or you increase the skill that you have currently in the job that you have, or you may need to change career. You may need to go to a more a, a field that is paying more or the field where you want to start business in the future if you're not in that field right now. And that is the way that you can uh, do that. And I, I tell you again that um, being a business owner is very fulfilling. Yes, um, when you read and they tell you out of um, uh, if 10 companies start today, in one year, 50% will fail. The next year, 50%. Those should not scare you. The important thing is to do the necessary due diligence. Get a business plan. Make it as uh, uh, exhaustive as possible. And then take a step of faith. And God will help you. All right. Um, all right. You can stop sharing now so we can. Uh, thank you, our brother Jeffrey. Uh, it's been it's awesome hearing from you. I mean, um, we thank God for you and all the work you're doing. So um, we have some time for questioning. So I, I want to say say this again um if you want to ask a question i know a lot of people are streaming through the youtube but if you if you wanted to ask a question please raise your hand or you can type it in in the chat we can uh, let you know the outcome so um right now i don't see any questions yet i know people are typing it in so but um I'm going to call on our brother again, brother Geoffrey. Uh, you have any questions that is so common that you want to share with us? Yeah. Well, so let me, uh, some people may be, they may be like, how do I know that I should be an entrepreneur? How do I know? You should ask yourself. What have you always wanted to do? What, as a young person, what did you want to do when you grew up? When you grow up, and now that you're grown, what's stopping you from doing it? Fear, or you don't have the necessary skills, you don't have the money. What is it? So, if you've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, then you should think more seriously about it. Don't let fear stop you. Awesome. awesome. Chris, so, yes. so can, I, can I just add to that? Okay, go right ahead. Yes. Yeah, praise God. So one of the things I, I, I've shared with a few 
of the younger folks or the youth over the years is one thing I learned is one safe place to sort of learn about entrepreneurship is when you're working for a company, you can start to look at how the company is run. You know, you may not be in a position of management, but you are in the company. You you have access to information about how the company is structured, how they operate, and you can start to educate yourself about how they run. So that way, when you when you get to the point where you now want to pivot, you have acquired some knowledge and understanding in somewhat of a safe space, you know, with less risk. Awesome. So it's good. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you for that addition. Um, Solomon, do you? Yeah. The, the other thing that you could do also is um, you, could, you can reduce your risk. So while you're working, you start uh, a side business, right? So you still have an income and you're doing this and you see how that goes. Because um, if you quit your job and you start uh, a business, you are completely now in that you, you have zero income, you have to generate revenue for you to get back to where you were. You can reduce your risk by, as you're employed, you have a side business that you can grow to the point that you leave your uh, day job and go into that business fully. Awesome. Yeah, we'd like to add to that. So my addition to that will be just um, whatever you want to do in life, like bro Jeff said, uh, just go with your passion, right? Uh, don't just go with the crowd. A lot of us Africans, we want to go with whatever is trending, whether be it nursing, whatever the case might be, but just go with your passion. If you are, since you were little, you like cleaning up or doing, you know, dealing with garbage, just go for it. If you end up doing garbage and cleaning up and doing whatever, at the end of the day, you're going to be a millionaire, no matter what you, as long as you love what you do, you will be successful. That's all I, and, and also just remember, right? You are a child of God. Just like everybody else is going in there, they're looking at statistics and then looking at, okay, how do I succeed? They're 50%, like bro Jeff said, 50% of people who start a business, they end up not succeeding. Well, you're not one of them. You're not statistics. You have the Holy Ghost in you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. So, Muhammad, um, uh, do you need to add anything to what is being said? Um, Two questions. Yes. Thank you, Uncle Jeff, for that insightful presentation. So quickly, once I have discovered my passion or my talent, because there are two different things, uh, how important it is for me to find somebody who is successful in that field to be a coach or a mentor so as to avoid some mistakes that I may have encountered in that field. That's number one. And number two, how 
beneficial it is for someone to specialize in a particular field as opposed to doing a lot of things together at once. Okay, uh, so um, how do you, what's the importance of getting a mentor? It's very, very important for me. Um, I worked for, when I left working for Halliburton, I worked for a little company here in Nashville uh, owned by a guy called Darrell Freeman. And this guy, though he was younger than me, he was very, very entrepreneurial and uh, very successful. And uh, he ran this uh, IT company. Uh, you can imagine as far back as 1999, he had a private jet. And I will come to the office, Daryl will tell me things. Uh, and when I started my own company, Daryl was a mentor for me. Each time I will call him, uh, I meet with him and I ask him questions, he was always there to uh, answer my questions. So it's, it's very important to uh, go to someone who can share information. And I have learned myself to expose uh, how I was able to uh, set up my company and how I'm able to have it running successfully. I share that information. Uh, there are some people who hoard information who wouldn't want to share. You don't want those kind of people as mentors. You want somebody who knows that there is enough, somebody who uh, understands that there is enough for everybody. Because when you're hoarding, you think, oh, if I share, then I'm going to lose if somebody else knows. There is enough for everybody. So that's the attitude we have to have. And anybody we want to be our mentors needs to be uh, that kind of person. Uh, your second question was about what again? Sorry, I... Thank you very much. That was powerful. So who would... Um be more successful. Somebody who is doing plenty businesses, uh, they call jack of all trade, or somebody who specializes in certain area. For instance, we have doctors, you know, we have lawyers, we have accountants, we have somebody like you who is now an entrepreneur specializing in oil and gas. Who will be more successful? Well, um, it's difficult to say who will be more successful. It depends on how uh, the person uh, uses the skills that he has. But um, the world is really, the world pays for the specialist. The labor market today is about division of labor, right? So, um, you can see, for instance, in the medical field, if you're a general practitioner, if you're a physician, you're a general practitioner, they may pay you $150,000 a year. Um, if you're a neurosurgeon, they'll pay you a million. So you see, um, they pay more if you're specialized. But what if these two people 
now set up become entrepreneurs, the general practitioner could become more successful than the specialist if he applies better business skills than this person. So when you when you now become an entrepreneur, apart from the technical skills, the business skills must be there. Because if you're providing your technical skill and you're not managing the business well, it will fail. So you need both the technical aptitude and the uh, business aptitude. So uh, as employees, the specialists is going to definitely be paid more. But as entrepreneurs, it depends on how each person manages uh, their businesses. There are companies that provide so many services and they are very successful. There are others that uh, provide very specialized services and they're also very successful. Yeah, I would like to add to that. So like uh, Bro Mohammed asked, uh, who's going who's to be more successful, right? Um, I'll give an example, like for the last 20, 21 years, I've been reading New York Times, right? So I have so many, because I'm in finance and also in finance, finance is very vast, right? There's so many aspects of finance. There's banking, there is a wealth management, there is insurance, there is so many aspects of finance, but I try to delve myself into so many things, right? I try to understand. So I'm reading every day. So it, it takes, it, you may not go to school just for, to acquire those skills, but reading and just showing interest, always learning, 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 learning. Let me give you an example, right? There's a car company called Datsun. Datsun, which ended up being bought over by Nissan. Let's say you're a mechanic, right? And you are a specialist. Uh, you are a mechanic, but a specialist in Datsun. But Datsun now is out of business. What do you do? Now you have Toyota and you're out of business, right? But if you have specialized skills, that means you're a general practitioner, you're a general mechanic, you could fix all cars. You are going to be more successful in the long run because now that soon is out of business, but you could fix Toyota, you could fix um, Nissan, you could fix all these companies. So just be open-minded, not just focused on whatever you're doing at the moment. Read a lot. Not just, you know, you know, reading about your industry or what you are doing at the moment, but read a whole lot. It's going to help you in the long run. Uh, thank you. Thank you, all of you. Uh, I just I just have a question which any one of you can answer. Um, uh, this is what we've seen uh, as a trend. A lot of people who are here, Nigerians, Africans, they want to start doing business in Africa and they don't know the trend they don't know anything and we see most of them will uh, see a couple of them that i know sold their stuff went back there stayed one year or two years they came back here um is that because they didn't plan well or they they failed because they didn't plan uh, can anybody answer because or because the atmosphere is not good for business uh, well, um, you know, for me, I am doing business in Nigeria. Yeah. So um, I have some experience with that. Before I went to start my business in Nigeria, I went to Nigeria every year. And uh, when I go there, I was looking out for something that I will do. Now, when you come to Nigeria, 
Um, Nigeria has uh, maybe 80% people poor and they have like 10% super rich. So there are, there, are, there are so many services that you can provide there if you understand how to provide those services and if you can find them. Yes, uh, the, the business environment is different from what is here in America, but the opportunities are there. If you want to go to start a business, for instance, in Nigeria, you should provide service that, not, that has a, a higher bar of entry. That bar should be skill bar, that bar should be finance bar. So I see several people uh, here, I live here in Nashville, they run to Nigeria, they say they're exporting cars. What skill do you need to export car? Nothing, little or no skill. So anybody can do that. If you want to go to Nigeria to sell those kind of things, or you go there and say you're looking for contract. Contract on what? What skill do you have to uh, provide those services? If it's not a skill that is a niche, you may not be successful. So that's why it's important to uh, have that business plan that will look at the sector where you're going to. So for instance, I mean, uh, oil and gas, and I'm in upstream. So to do what I'm doing, you should have worked for a company like Halliburton or Schlumberger or Baker. You should be an engineer who has these experiences. Why? Because first of all is that you have to be licensed. You have to go to DPR to get licensed. So they have to check that you have the necessary skills to provide these services. And uh, when you start it, part of it is that um, you may need specialized um, equipment. Like for instance, myself, we use explosives. To get licensed for explosives, it took us seven years. You have to have security clearance from the NSA. You have to be interviewed by DSS. People don't know that these things, they say in Nigeria, um, you just do anyhow. No. When it comes to really specialized things, you will know that those rules are there. So it took that seven years for us to go through the process to import explosives into Nigeria. How many people can import explosives into Nigeria legally? Very few. And you have to have the skill to be able to do that. So that's if you are going into those kind of businesses, you have reduced your competition because not everybody can do it. If I'm going to Nigeria to sell computers, anybody can bring in computer and sell. So um, it depends on what you're going to Africa to do. Yeah, uh, just just to add to that, uh, just uh, it's just that a lot of us so we go with the Joneses, right? We go with whatever we hear is trending, whether it's shipping cars, but like Bro Jeff said, just go with some specialized skills, some you know, a sector that no one has tapped into, right? If you go with that, you're gonna be okay.
Uh, I think someone is raising her hand. Uh, Charity? Yes. Um, but, but before that, we have another, uh, um, thank you for sharing that. We have a question on, uh, on the chat. You say, how does one scale their business without much exposure to risk? Also, how important is it to leverage human resources, investors, whether family or friend, in order to scale a business? Uh, did you understand the question? Uh, any of you can answer uh, anyway. So the, the question is asking, how can you increase? So I am selling books, right? And I have been selling uh, books worth $50,000. Now, I want to grow this business so that I can make it $1 million um, revenue every year. That means I have to bring in more money and all that. So if, if you don't have that money, you have to borrow from the bank or borrow from people that increases your risk. So there is no time that you will scale your business without increasing your risk exposure. It's not possible to scale without scaling, without increasing your risk. The second part of that question. Yeah. Yeah, human human resources, right? Yeah, you can always mm -hmm. involve your family members. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, or investors, if you have access to them, because you know, getting having access to investors is not a, an easy thing to do. Uh, you have to prove yourself. You have to show a track record that uh, what I, whatever ideas that you have are promising. Uh, if those ideas are not promising, investors are going to overlook you and they're going to go to somebody else. So you just have to, you, you can leverage your family, but at the same time, in order for you to leverage investors, you have to be able to prove yourself. Thank you. Thank you. Can I, can I say something? Now, uh, when I, in Nigeria, I, um, I belong to a running group. I, I didn't know those kind of uh, people existed until I went to Nigeria. Most of these guys, I am one of the oldest in that group. We are maybe 1,800 people. Very young people, but we are very educated. Most of them have MBAs from Harvard, from uh, University of Pennsylvania. They went to Ivy League schools and got top MBAs, and they are in Lagos. Those are not people you'll be expecting will be in Lagos. And most of these people are into private equity. So what I have seen with them is that they have so much understanding and skill in the financial industry that they, is, despite how tough Nigeria is, these guys are making a lot of money. They are managing hundreds of millions of dollars. Some of them have, have set up their own businesses. One of them uh, who has an MBA from Stanford, he came back to Nigeria and he was managing uh, Cisco's uh, business. He now set up his own fintech and he has attracted maybe about $300 million that investors from America have put into his company. Even his a small wife, or his wife, let me not say small wife, but I'm saying small, she's a young person, who is maybe 33 or thereabout. She has her own business. What is she doing? 
She's drying banana. She's drying oranges. She's drying dry fruits, and she packages them well. The other day, she got people to invest $3 million into her company. <laughs> so what am I saying? If you have the necessary skill, the money will come to you. I was in a, 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 a flight with a young lady some four years ago coming from Nigeria. And this young lady, I'm looking at her, who paid for her to be in the class of uh, plane that we were in? I, I was curious. I asked her, I said, so uh, what do you do? She said, I'm a student. I said, where? She said she's uh, doing MBA in Harvard, that uh, she has a master's degree in electrical engineering and worked for Shell and left, and she's now doing MBA. So I said, so what do you plan to do? She said, I'm going to be finishing in May. Once I finish in May, I'm back to Lagos. You will think, I mean, typical Nigerian thinking that she was going to run away. She said, by May, I'm going, I'm, once I get my MBA, I'll be in Lagos. And a year later, I called her up. She truly was in Nigeria. She was in Abuja, working for one of the private equity companies in healthcare. So if you have the necessary skills, you will do well. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much for sharing that. So I'm going to go to my wife. Hi, honey. Just give us what you have. <laughs> okay. Hello. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, first, I, I just really want to comment and say that this is fabulous. Like God really has excellent people. And I, I mean, so much is, is being learned and I want to say thank you. Um, my question um, is for Brother Paul, and it's uh, in life insurance. So, do you what do you recommend that people um, for people to have? Uh, what's your preference, in other words, term or full full uh, life full term full time or full, how do you say full term? Mm -hmm. or um whole life whole life i'm sorry thank you so much term or whole life insurance what's your preference and if for instance if you have term for 20 let's say example 20 year term and at the end of that 20 year term how do you advise some what do you advise that someone will do at that time Thank you. Uh, very good question. So uh, it depends on someone's goal or needs. Everybody's needs uh, differs. And also where they are in terms of age and also uh, financial structure uh, differs. Okay. Uh, for somebody who is 20 years old or even 17, uh, 18 years old, who wants to start saving money, as uh, below Brad Jeffrey uh, mentioned, consistently for 30 years, maybe $100, $150, you can use a whole life because that money is going to accumulate uh, mutual, I mean, uh, dividend if you are with a company like New York Life or any mutual uh, company. And it, it also provides, uh, provides uh, a protection, okay, not just uh, the the uh the dividend and the casualty that it, it will build will provide a protection uh 
TAM also has its purpose. Most people who do mortgage protection, uh, TAM is less expensive initially, uh, okay? Uh, so you can get like a half a million, one million, uh, depending on your age and your health, uh, for 20, uh, $30, okay? And also we can combine both of them. These are just the two primary uh, life insurance, but you have uh, more that in the market, but these are the two primary. We can combine both products such that it will suit your needs. So the first step is for us to sit down with you and ask questions and analyze your needs. Then we can make recommendation based on your needs. But they, are, they all have their purposes. And if you have a term for uh, 20 years, uh, one thing you can do, for instance, with New York Life, the first 10 years, you have the privilege to upgrade it to become permanent the first 10 years. And if you do that within the first five years, the company will credit you one year worth of premium that you already put in. So with whole life, you never lose out because it's permanent up until 121 years old. Uh, you are getting dividend, uh, it's building cash value for you. You can use that money while you are alive. And then at the end of your life, you still transfer wealth to the next generation. So you can start with time if the budget is tight and upgrade it to whole life. But it all depends on everybody's needs well let me yeah let me let me add to that I, I'm, I'm licensed in the state of new york new jersey and the state of connecticut i have life insurance but i don't really sell it in my company i referred that over to the insurance department so term is pretty much like yeah let's say you have you are 25 years old and you are having kids and you feel like okay let me just make sure that if i die between the age of 25 and 40 or 45 by the time your kids will be out of college that um i just want them to be protected term insurance would be perfect for you but if you are saving money for when you retire or when you die after the age of 60 65 you know whole life might be the better option for you just think about it like you're buying a car insurance is, um, you know, at the end of the year, you, you get nothing back, right? But if something happened within that year, they are going to pay you back. Remember, just remember, term insurance for that term, what is 20 years? If something happens, they're going to pay you. But if nothing happens, all the money that you've paid will be gone. But that's just the nature of it. Thank you. Thank you very much. We have just about five minutes. I have the final question here um somebody was asking the question at what age he's saying that i'm very old right now so i what does it mean that i can start a business at this after 50 years old what is the chances of me uh succeeding in that business when i'm 60 and or 70 right now what do you recommend to somebody who is that at that age you still have willingness to start a business but He's looking at his age. Uh, uh, good, good question. Yes. Um, you know, um, I started my business when I was 50, which is very, very, very risky mm. because um, the older you are, the less time you have to recover if your business does not work so if you're 60 or 70 you i you even have uh, more risk you know if things don't 
work uh, well. Does that mean the door has been shut? Not necessarily. We're all familiar with uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. The guy started it at 65. Wow. Right? <laughs> and Kentucky Fried Chicken is still there. Yeah. So what I will say is this, that um, if you're older, when I say older, 50 and above, that you have to be uh, more careful. Um, you should take calculated risk. So, um, it is not the time for you to go and learn new things to try out. It has to be that whatever you're doing at that point is something you already have skill in. So that removes the risk of that, that you don't have the necessary skills. So if I started my business and what I went into was um, a medical equipment, it means I have to go and learn uh, things about medical equipment. And I'm going to be at a disadvantage. But I went into an area that all my life I had been in. So I had the necessary uh, skills to be an expert. So I can make, I can say, okay, when I'm going to look at the market, I know what to look for. So the person who is older uh, shouldn't say, well, the door has been shut completely. No, the door has not been shut completely, but it is that he has a higher risk of uh, not recovering if things don't go well. So he needs to be, he needs to uh, be more careful in his due diligence. That doesn't mean that he should become paralyzed by analysis. You know, you analyze and analyze that, you analyze yourself out of the business. You know? <laughs> so um, I don't know if that helps or not. But Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing. Yes, I'm going to give the speakers half a minute to to give their final thought. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to share something with the uh, all the uh, audience, uh, the church. Uh, there's um, a simulation that I'm going to share with everyone. Uh, it has to do with SSA, which is Social Security Administration. Uh, what you can do is uh, you could go on there and you could plug in how much you're making today. Uh, based on how much you're making and your age, it's going to tell you how much you're going to be getting from Social Security. So that way you could plan ahead. Knowing fully well, okay, is this, if this is how much I'm going to be getting from Social Security when I retire at the age of 62, 65, or whatever the case might be, you could actually do the simulation. You could change the numbers, 65, 70, or whatever, and then you would know how much you could save or how much you could just increase your savings. That way, your Social Security uh, will be, you know, when, when you supplement your income with your Social Security and how much you've saved, you'll be in a, sa um, a safe shape. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay. Yes, I would like to quickly uh, say something. Uh, for us as children of God, as a matter of fact, the entire humanity, this is the law that God puts in place for 
the entire humanity. In Genesis 1, 28, it says, Then God blessed them, and God said, Be fruitful. Be fruitful means to be productive. Mm-hmm. Multiply. When you become productive, you become skillful, like Jeff uh, uh, be skillful, be knowledgeable in your faith. Multiply. Reproduce whatever services you are providing. Build Put up a system that can distribute it and also have control. So at any point of our life, we must not uh, be fearful because God has not given us the spirit of fear, of, but of power, of love, and of sound mind. So there are businesses that are already existing that people can join just to Thank find you. Thank you very much.